Welcome back to Via the Source, where you can get news about the entire NFL and, of course, the Miami Dolphins. Fins up. Here's Steven, your host. What's up, guys? Today's date is January 10th. I'm Steven Masso. As always, you're listening to Via the Source. Now, in today's episode, we're going to be discussing quite a bit of quarterback Deshaun Watson. He is one of the bigger headlines across the NFL, and there's also some relevancy to the Dolphins. A lot of people are wondering, should the Dolphins kind of shake up the whole NFL world by making a trade to go after Deshaun Watson? We're going to be discussing just uh, the whole spectrum, everything in regards to Watson. So if you're somebody who doesn't really want to hear about that, just a heads up. There's going to be a ton of Deshaun Watson in today's episode. And then there were some NFL games yesterday. You know, we had the beginning of the NFL playoffs, so we're going to be discussing some of the notable headlines from those games across the NFL. So to begin with this episode, a little bit of a disclaimer. I'm not the biggest just Deshaun Watson fan. I definitely like the guy. I consider myself a fan, but I'm not some huge homer for the guy. Uh, at one point, one of my worst takes I ever said, this was uh, right after Carson Wentz had that tremendous MVP season, got hurt right before the Super Bowl run. I said that I thought Carson Wentz was better than Deshaun Watson. So I think that should tell you where I stand with Deshaun Watson. You know, I'm still definitely a fan of that guy. I can recognize it was wrong. But if you guys know me on this podcast, whether I dislike a guy or if I like a guy or not, you know, I want to say the truth in my honest opinion. So just a disclaimer, there's going to be a ton of praise for Deshaun Watson here. And that's not coming from a place of being a homer or being some sort of longtime fan or something. Uh, I just, you know, I'm a fan of him now, but it's not some huge uh, passion of mine that Deshaun Watson's like this amazing quarterback, but I have to give props where it's due. So to begin here, if you guys need a little bit of a timeline, Deshaun Watson, uh, he tweeted a few days ago, some things never change. And that was in regards to the Texans hiring a new GM, Nick Casario. And he put that tweet out and apparently he's not even answering calls from the Texans because he is so dissatisfied with the team right now. And that is also per an Adam Schefter report that he is just completely fed up with the Texans. And this is primarily because right now uh, they said that when they made a GM hiring or a head coach hiring that he would be heavily involved in the process. They would be asking for his input and his feedback. Apparently they made the hire without even consulting with Watson. They didn't even let him know and he just found out via, uh, via social media. So he was pretty fed up because that ran against everything that they told him they would be doing. So before we begin with Deshaun Watson as the player, I've seen a lot of criticism, you know, uh, especially from Dolphins Twitter saying, why would anybody want to make a trade for a quarterback who's acting so entitled or being a prima donna? And I don't really understand that because simultaneously, I also see Dolphins Twitter in large numbers, you know, praising the lack of competence from Bill O'Brien that led to them getting these draft picks. So how can you, uh, you know, be praising and acknowledge and be aware of how bad the Texans were ran and then simultaneously go out and say that, oh yeah, he's being a prima donna for being frustrated. I think he is totally within his rights. If you think back about the history that he's had with the Texans, the Texans previous owner in his rookie season called the players inmates. What a horrible way to start your career. Then on top of that, you know, the Texans were good back in uh, 2019. They go up against the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, a massive lead against the team that would go on to win the Super Bowl and they throw the game. They barely lose that game. And so you would think the team is set. They have their key players. They just need a few more tweaks and they could finally get to the Super Bowl. They had in that season, Watson, 
Watson's first 1,000-yard rusher in Carlos Hyde. And guess what they do in the offseason? They trade their primary wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, top three in the NFL for a running back. They do not re-sign Carlos Hyde, the first 1,000-yard rusher of Watson's career. Instead, they go out and make a trade for David Johnson, a guy who is obviously on the decline, who has been dealing with a ton of injuries. Just a horrible value when you consider David Johnson's contract. Something that, you know, I had imagined that Bill O'Brien has to run through somebody in that building. And if I were there listening to that, I would say, okay, that's what you want to do. You want to trade Hopkins for David Johnson? Come repeat this to everybody else in the room and then have them fired on the spot because it was such a ludicrous idea to even make that move. So you can understand why Deshaun Watson is getting frustrated when you trade Hopkins. You don't re-sign your best runner in years. Instead, you make a trade for another running back when we can all tell the value of the running back position is going down and you look at David Johnson and where he's at. Just a horrible ton of decisions. And it's not only Watson who's frustrated. J.J. Watt got in a heated exchange with Bill O'Brien before, and then J.J. Watt in that interview just uh, two weeks ago was very frustrated there. So it's not like Watson is the only one here who is frustrated with the state of the Texans. So just if you're asking me, I think he is well within his rights. So uh, now to move on to the potential for a trade, I don't see it 100% as likely just when you consider how good Deshaun Watson is, how he's only 25 years old. I think the Texans would be crazy to trade him, but who knows? We have seen crazier things in the NFL and with a new GM, a new regime coming in, you know, there is, I guess, a higher likelihood of them trading him than before. So who knows what is going to happen there? Some landing spots that could be appealing. The main one that is being thrown around is the Washington football team. When you consider how good the rest of the team is playing and how they reach the playoffs and how good the defense looks, adding a guy like Deshaun Watson would be a move that makes a ton of sense for them. Other teams that I've seen thrown around, the New York Jets, who I think are a little bit further away than just a quarterback so I don't know if giving up the ammunition they currently have is the right move for them but who knows if they instantly want to just put a band-aid on the team instead of going through a full rebuild and just get Deshaun Watson they could make that move a team like the Carolina Panthers could also do it but it gets interesting because people are floating the idea should the Dolphins be the one to go and make a move to trade for Deshaun Watson and then these rumors kind of uh, solidified themselves and kind of became more of a reality when Chris Mortensen he tweeted, sources say Watson could play hardball with the Texans about a trade. His new $156 million contract includes a no trade clause, but informed speculation from a source is that he would consider the Miami Dolphins in which Tua Tungavailoa and an additional compensation goes to Houston, close quote. And I see that on Twitter, this has created a bit of a firestorm over there. And, uh, you know, I could understand why, because you have a guy like Tua that so many people love, and he's the potential franchise quarterback. You have that just a ton of draft capital that you don't really want to give up. But I don't think by any means, because a ton of beat writers are suggesting that they're in favor of making this move. I could see the appeal of it, and I'm not even against it. I'm still on the fence with this whole idea, because I understand the appeal of getting a top five quarterback. And I saw somebody on Twitter post a tweet, and I'm not going to say his name, and I understand where he's coming from. It's not like it's the worst idea. It's just one that I disagree with. And he said trading Tua, the number three pick, the 18 pick, and whatever else it would take to get Watson doesn't instantly make us a contender. It makes 
us Houston, a star quarterback with nothing else on offense and no way to build around him. Was Houston better than Miami last year? Do you forecast them to be better next? And that's his tweet. And frankly, I disagree with that to the fullest extent because by every stretch of the imagination, Deshaun Watson was absolutely magnificent this season. Despite the Texans record, despite everything that happened, their struggles were not on the offensive side of the ball. And I think it's ludicrous to suggest that the lack of weapons is what hurt the Texans and cost them. Sure, it, w- it definitely held them back by by far. You know, not having Hopkins there was a massive blow to the team. But if you watch the Texans at all this season, you understand that they did not lose because of Deshaun Watson and the lack of weapons. They lost to the Tennessee Titans because they gave up 200 plus yards to Derrick Henry on both times. 250 in the last game and they only lost that game by three points. They gave up 370 passing yards to Brandon Allen of the Bengals. They gave up 220 plus yards to both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb in those losses. It wasn't because Deshaun Watson was throwing 300 plus yards and four touchdowns to his weak group of receivers and we have to call them what it was. They were a weak group of receivers. Sure you have Brandon Cooks who you know when he is healthy shows a downfield ability. He had over a thousand yards uh, receiving this season. He is a pretty good receiver and I'll give him that. Will Fuller who I mentioned when he's on the field whether he is suspended or injured that cost him a ton of time but he only played in 11 games this season. He did good while he was on the field but if you look at who else they have they have a washed up Randall Cobb. They have Kiki Cutie who only played in eight games. Uh, They have Chad Hansen as their wide receiver two for the tail end of this season. Uh, They had Kenny Stills for 10 games this season. Uh, They had DeAndre Carter. They had Pharaoh Brown. They had Jordan Atkins. They had Darren Fells. Who is he throwing the ball to? Yet you have to take into consideration Deshaun Watson led the entire NFL in passing yards this season. He had the third highest completion percentage in the NFL. He had the second highest passer rating behind only Aaron Rodgers in the NFL. And look at the guys he was throwing to. So I don't get this idea that somehow adding Deshaun Watson to this Dolphins team that I presume won't have the same struggles defensively and who are also worlds apart when you think of the coaching, the staff, the GM hiring over here, just completely worlds apart. And if you're suggesting that they're even close to where the Texans were at in terms of the coaching last year, that is just downright blasphemous in my opinion. So I just don't get suggesting that it would somehow take them to a collapse level that the Houston Texans were at this season. I don't get that argument. If you add Deshaun Watson currently to this Dolphins team in this 2020 season, there is, without a doubt in my mind, they're in the playoffs and they are a Super Bowl contender because he is that good. Weapons or not, he makes the guys around him that good. And I'm not saying that to say that Tua won't be able to do the same thing and that uh, Deshaun Watson is the clear better choice in terms of how their careers will pan out. But in this current state of time, I don't understand how saying that Deshaun Watson would make the team immediately worse. Sure, the cap issues will uh, come into account and he may not have the ability to have that long-term success, but for this immediate time, uh, I think that would be a move that would have made the team a ton better. And uh, again, you're asking me whether I'm here or there for the trade, but I will say I'm down here in Texas. I'm a big Houston Astros fan. I know whole cheating scandal ruined the integrity of the game. I understand. I recognize that and I'm deeply ashamed. But when it comes into account how they built their roster, if you keep up with baseball, they were absolutely atrocious for a few years. They were basically tanking to build up and get these younger guys in their farm system. And they were able to completely overhaul their team and load it up with stars. But then with the Houston Astros, it came to a point and something that was thrown around a ton as following the Houston Astros was 
parades over prospects. And I understand the idea of that because the, uh, the Astros were loaded with so many prospects, even though they were getting to those the cusp of that World Series, they had a ton of more talent. But instead, what they had to do was trade some of these younger guys to make the immediate push. So I understand the, uh, the uh, appeal of building long-term success towards the future, and I'm all in favor of it. But if the Dolphins deem their team ready to make that push immediately, then Deshaun Watson, I think, currently gives a team the best immediate chance. If you're asking me who could win the Dolphins a Super Bowl in 2021, it would be a Deshaun Watson-led team more than likely. And that's not, again, not a knock on Tua. He could progress and be even better than that. I'm just talking the immediate future. So if the Dolphins are going to take that per, uh, parades over prospect mentality of just going for the Super Bowl, then, you know, I think uh, it's hard to argue against that idea. So at the end of the day, though, I think there is still not that much of a likelihood the Texans even elect to trade him. And then the likelihood that the Dolphins are the one team that elects to trade for him may be even less likely. So again, this is all just hypotheticals, but I just don't like the idea of people uh, just for the sake of not liking the idea of the trade somehow throw dirt on the name of Deshaun Watson or somehow say that he is a prima donna or somehow say that his cap space is uh, more of a detriment than what he brings to a team because Deshaun Watson is incredible. He's a top five quarterback. He is still very young and he could be even better than that. So whether the Dolphins elect to make a move on him or not, I think it's important to recognize how good of a season he is having. So a few final points here, just to remember, people are kind of looking at that cap issue and the potential for having to trade those early first round picks. You know, you won't be able to get the Devontae Smith if you trade that third overall pick. You know, you might not be able to get Jamar Chase if you trade that other first round pick. And there's still a ton of talent. I see people kind of saying, if we don't have those first round picks, then we don't have weapons to give to Watson. And it's not really as simple as that. You can still find talent beyond the first round of the draft. If you look at the guys who are thriving right now in the NFL at the receiver position, the best receiver in football right now is Devontae Adams, who the Packers found in the second round. Allen Robinson, one of the best free agents upcoming right now in this offseason, was drafted in the second round. Keenan Allen, I've mentioned, the best route runner in football behind probably only Devontae Adams. He was drafted in the third round. Tyler Lockett, the primary receiver of Russell Wilson, taken in the third round. DK Metcalf taken in the second. Travis Kelsey, best tight end, probably receiving target in all of football right now. Third round, Terry McLaurin, a very sneaky player, burners on him. He was taken in the third round. Tyreek Hill, fastest player in the NFL, primary target also of uh, Patrick Mahomes. No one's going to complain about the value there. He was taken in the fifth round. And then right now, the NFL's receiving leader, NFL catching leader, Stephon Diggs, taken in the fifth round. And again, I know that uh, there's a high margin for error the more and more further down you go in terms of uh, these draft picks, but I'm just saying that sometimes if you have a great quarterback, they can turn a solid receiver into something more, which is potentially the case if you look at guys like Devontae Adams, if you look at guys like Tyreek Hill, if you look at what Stephon Diggs was able to do taking his next step, uh, you know, but other receiving options, if you have a great receiver, there's no uh, automatic guarantee that they could do the 
same for a quarterback. You understand what I'm saying? Allen Robinson is a tremendous receiver, but he hasn't really made Trubisky into an elite talent. Whereas you can flip the switch and say Aaron Rodgers can turn just about all these receivers into talented guys. If you look at Mahomes, how many receivers do they have there? They have McCole Hardman, they have Demarcus Robinson, they have Byron Pringle. All these guys look very solid when you have Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball. And I think Watson is closer to the Mahomes, to the Aaron Rodgers than he is to the average quarterback. So I think he is really capable of turning guys like as we saw this season. Chad Hansen was putting up great numbers. If you uh, you know spread it out through a 16-game season, uh, Hansen would have had 700-something yards, which would have been close to the lead for the Dolphins this season because Deshaun Watson is that good. To kind of add in here, I just finished watching the Browns in the Steelers game. Again, talent outside of the first round that we could look at here. Uh, Kareem Hunt, third round. Nick Chubb, second round. Uh, Jarvis Landry, second round. We go the opposite side with the Steelers. Deontay Johnson, uh, I believe he was a second round. Chase Claypool, second round. Juju Smith-Schuster, second round. James Conner, third round. Uh, Nick Chubb uh, was also taken in the second round. It's not as simple as if we trade those early first round picks. Now we don't have any weapons to give to Deshaun. Nobody's going to complain about the weapons that the Browns and the Steelers and a ton of these other teams have. A guy like Watson could help elevate those players. And to wrap it up again, I know some people are being rubbed off the wrong way when Deshaun Watson isn't answering the calls and they're hearing all this potential drama unfold and he's supposed to be a franchise quarterback. He got a big deal. Trust me, Deshaun Watson does a ton for his community. He cares deeply about the area. He cares deeply about the sport of football. There are no off the field issues with a guy like Deshaun Watson. And J.J. Watt, again, this guy is the most respected, humble guy, J.J. Watt, and probably all of the NFL. And once the season ended, as the game ended, they were talking to each other. And you can listen. This was on mic'd up, I believe, or one of the cameras caught it. J.J. Watt said to Deshaun Watson, I'm sorry we wasted one of your years. This is one of the most humble, you know, down-to-earth guys. And he is straight up telling Deshaun Watson, we wasted one of your years. Talking about how bad the defense was and how costly it was to the team's performance. So again, uh, there's no, there's hardly any negatives to say about Deshaun Watson. The team in Houston was ran horribly, and if the Dolphins were to be able to get a top five talent, then it's hard to pass up on that. Again, that is not a knock on Tua. I think Tua could still be a great quarterback. You know, he could still even potentially be better than Deshaun Watson. But the thing with Watson is you already know what you have. It's a guarantee of what you're getting with Deshaun Watson and what he is capable of doing. And having a guarantee in the NFL is a very very precious thing. So again, it just not a knock on Tua. I know a lot of people are very uh, rubbed off the wrong way and they're saying that everyone's giving up on Tua. I don't think it's that at all. My uh, recognition of Watson's talent and his uh, ability to play at a high level has no effect on my optimism about Tua's future. They have no correlation with each other and just because I think highly of one player doesn't mean I somehow now uh, think less of the other. I'm still very optimistic and to remember in the grand scheme of things, it's a win-win situation. If the Dolphins trade for Deshaun Watson, you have a top five quarterback. If they keep Tua, they can add a ton of weapons that helps them take that next step to potentially reach that elite level himself. I don't think this is a situation where Dolphins should be nervous or should be angry at anybody. At the end of the day, it's a win-win situation. And even though it's fun to talk about, you know, we're not the ones making the decisions. At the end of the day, I trust the people over there working for the Dolphins to make the best decision that they feel will put the team and in position to win. So that wraps up the topic about Deshaun Watson, but I do want to discuss some of the playoff games that we saw uh, this past weekend, some interesting headlines across the NFL. The 
Bills defeated the Colts by a score of 27 to 24. This game was a lot closer than I thought it would be, but at the end of the day, Josh Allen and the Bills remain red hot. Stephon Diggs continues his streak of just having tremendous games, 128 yards and a touchdown for Stephon Diggs in this game. Uh, the Seahawks and the Rams. This game was defined by the lack of efficiency, I thought, by Russell Wilson. The Rams defense did a good job at containing him. He went 11 for 27 in this game. He had two touchdowns, but he did have this very bad pick that was ended up being intercepted uh, by Darius Williams of the Los Angeles Rams. On the opposite side of the ball, rookie Cam Akers, who turned out really hot towards the tail end of this season, got off to a huge day, 28 carries, 131 yards, and just an overall good win from the Los Angeles Rams, a team that has all the talent in the world on paper, but they haven't been able to produce consistently a good outing from them. Now, the next game we have here, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Washington football team, score of 31-23. It was Tom Brady's first playoff win as a member of a team that is not the New England Patriots, and what a game to do it in. He had 381 yards. He had two touchdowns. Leonard Fournette had a great game as a member of the Bucks, 93 yards and one touchdown on the ground. And then for the Washington football team, you really have to applaud what they did. Alex Smith, I think the obvious comeback player of the year, was unable to go in this game, but Taylor Heineke put on a showcase, and he looked determined to win this game for the football team. He was unable to do it, but what a game from him. 306 yards passing a touchdown, and then another 46 yards on the ground, and this very nice rushing touchdown towards the pylon. I think Taylor Heineke became everyone's favorite underdog of the playoffs so far, and it only took him one game because he was playing with so much heart, it appeared, in that game. The Titans were defeated by the Baltimore Ravens by a score of 20-13, and this was a game that was defined by Derrick Henry's lack of production. Derrick Henry was the star of this team, a guy who could potentially win MVP, could potentially win Offensive Player of the Year, but in this game was held for only 40 yards on the ground. Ryan Tannehill only had 165 yards passing. He had a touchdown and also an interception, and then on the opposite side, Lamar Jackson just did his thing, 179 yards passing, but that wasn't the main story because he also had 136 yards on the ground, including a massive 48-yard run for a touchdown. Lamar Jackson gets his first win in the playoffs, so that narrative appears to be over. Now, the New Orleans Saints and the Bears game, the Saints won this game by a score of 21-9. It was a game that was also aired on Nickelodeon, and some people are saying that this game being aired on Nickelodeon should be considered child abuse because it was a pretty tough watch for, uh, you know, for playoff games by that uh, standard that we have here for these high-octane, high-quality games. It's hard for me to say that that was uh, this game. Drew Brees returned from that injury late in the season. He had 265 yards passing, two touchdowns, and Alvin Kamara had 99 yards rushing on the ground. So overall, a pretty efficient day for the Saints, and the Bears on the opposite side of the ball just really couldn't get anything going offensively, especially on the ground. Running back David Montgomery also really struggled in this game, 12 carries for 31 yards, and Mitch Trubisky, 199 yards passing, one touchdown, just an overall pretty inefficient day from the Bears, but there was a nice little one-handed grab on the final play of the game by Jimmy Graham, a very nice catch on that play, and it has people wondering if that was uh, potentially the last play of Jimmy Graham's career, so interesting thing to look at there. Now, the last game to talk about here, the Cleveland Browns upset the Pittsburgh Steelers by a score of 48 to 37. 
Baker Mayfield had three touchdowns in this game, 263 yards, and then Kareem Hunt on the ground, 48 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Nick Chubb also getting some help in there, 76 yards on the ground. Jarvis Landry had a massive day with 92 yards receiving and a big 40-yard touchdown in this game. And then on the opposite side of the ball, a lot of struggles for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, which was a pretty common theme. It seems like once defenses figured out the Ben Roethlisberger's average depth of target was like four yards and anything beyond that is a duck, they were really able to kind of key into what he is going to do. And in this game, he had 501 yards passing, but he had 68 pass attempts. He had four touchdowns, nice, but he had four interceptions and they all proved to be extremely costly in this game. Those interceptions all appeared to give the Browns just great field position. There was a botched snap early in the game. And even though you have these just monstrous numbers by some of the Pittsburgh Steelers players, like Juju had 157 yards, Deontay Johnson had 117, uh, Chase Claypool had 59 and two touchdowns, Eric Ebron had 62. You have these inflated numbers, but they were just chucking the ball, completely abandoned the run in this game because they had to. And just overall, it was too late. They made a valiant effort at a comeback. But at the end of the day, I think people really wanted to see just based on Juju's comments earlier in the week about the Browns being just nameless gray faces and him dancing on the logo, Corvette, Corvette. Well, at the end of the day, uh, the Browns get the win here and end the Steelers season. What a way for the Steelers to go out. How quickly things could unravel. It's just remarkable. This league is so crazy and entertaining. And I think this is just one good example. The Browns get a coveted playoff win that at times I wonder if I ever would see at some point in my life. So guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. As always, if you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can do so. That is at ShadySteven and at via the source. If you have any comments, topics, or anything you would like for me to discuss, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. Send them there and I will discuss them in a future episode. I would love to hear any topics you guys recommend or questions. That would be awesome. Uh, I've seen the comments you guys have been leaving on the podcast app. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I saw somebody say you're killing it, Shady Steven. That's, you know, awesome. I appreciate that. I saw someone say that my podcasts are great. You just wish I could do longer episodes and more frequently. So I'll be trying to, you know, get deeper into things and maybe extend them more. I heard some people say that they prefer the concise nature of the podcast and they prefer them short, but I've also heard people say they prefer more of a long form podcast. If you guys have any more input or anything on that, I feel free to let me know when I can keep it all in consideration. But guys, that is how I'm going to wrap up today's episode. Until next time, I'm Stephen Masso, and this was Via the Source.